Thanks for listening to the Life Church Boise weekly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Mark Bohr. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. Ready for some good stuff? Praise God. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We began a new series of messages last week, and this series is called The Devil's Trap. I want to, I want to continue explaining this today and teaching this subject. I believe it will be highly beneficial to every single one of us so that these areas of vulnerability in our life get removed, and we learn how to keep the door closed. We learn how to stay out of the trap. I tell you, there is a thief, there is a, there is a devil, and he wants to clean your clock, wants to make your life miserable, wants to, uh, you know, do a lot of harm, but we don't have, we're not subject to it, but we've got to know how things work, we've got to understand the plan. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 reads this way, be angry and do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. Say that last phrase with me. Nor give place to the devil. And so if the devil has place in someone's life, the reason for that is because someone gave him place. It appears to me that it is up to me. It's up to you whether or not the devil has access has place to our lives, right? No mention here of God giving him place or, or him taking place by himself, but it's on us whether we give him place, all right? So that puts us in a good position, all right? If there's anything bad going on, if the enemy has gotten access, well, we can stop it. We can no longer give him place. And when you know the character and nature of the devil... How he has come to steal, kill, and destroy, wants to wreak havoc in your life. You know you don't want to hang out. (laughs) He is not your friend. And if he ever told you he was, he was lying. Because he wants to, uh, again, just cause a lot of hardship in, in your lives. And so we know that giving place or not giving place is up to us. Let me read this verse to you from uh, the Amplified Bible. It reads, leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. So we know what we're talking about. What do you mean give the devil place? Uh, Foothold. Opportunity. And then listen to this one. This is the ERV. Easy to read version. All right. It reads, don't give the devil a way to defeat you. Well, that's clear. So he's looking for a way to defeat us. And whether he has a way or not seems to, again, it's up to us whether he has a way to defeat us. Uh, Now, we read a couple other verses last week. I want to remind you of them as well before we go on. It's 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 26, and it reads this way, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. So there is God's will. 
there is the devil's will. That's a reality in life. Which one we're fulfilling, that's a good, that's a good question. Is something we should be mindful of. But there is a will of the devil, and he is endeavoring to capture people, to take them captive, so that they will do his will. Many times you know this, though. Many captives of the devil think they're doing good things. They think what they're doing is fine, it's okay, there's no, nothing wrong with it. And maybe, I don't know, they get their enlightenment from the evening news or something, but they don't get it from Scripture. Or they'll run into this somewhere along the line. They'll see, the way I live, the way I think is different than the way God thinks and the way He told us to live. And so we should be aware of that. He is taking people captive, and we've got to recognize these uh, these snares, if you will, in order to even know that we have fallen into one, or we could be living in His snare our entire lives and not know it. Amen. And so uh, there are these wills, and we've got to uh, we've got to recognize this. And the other, the other one is this: it's First Peter chapter five, and verse eight, and it reads: "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil." Not your friend, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, why is he seeking? Well, because he hasn't found everyone that he can devour. In other words, he runs into some individuals and there's no place for him to get in. He runs into other individuals and he does find an opening. He does find a place. The question would be for our lives is which side of that equation are we on? Are we in the he may devour category or in the may not devour category? Huh? Because he's looking. He is looking for a way in. When? Well, right now. He's either in your life and tearing it up or he's trying to get in to tear it up. Either way. If he's in, I want to know how to get him out. And if he's not in, I want to keep him on the outside. But notice, this is written to believers, written to the church. We need to know how this works. We need to understand what the the devil is seeking so he cannot come and devour us. Now, some might say, well, I don't think the devil can really just do that. I don't think he can devour Christians. I mean, I'm, a, I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm saved. I'm in the family of God. I, I don't know that the devil uh, can, can devour. Well, uh, look around. I do a lot of looking around, observing and inquiring into the lives of, of people, and a lot of them are saved. If they died, they would go to heaven. But now, something's eating them up. Something's devouring them. And I know they're born again. I know they're in the family of God. But still, the enemy is able to get to them. And that's what I seek answers to. I want to cut that off. And I know if, it's, if it's anything's happening to, you, happening to you, you want to cut it off. And so many people, and some even believers, are being devoured. I've heard statements in the, in the past. Uh, one time heard a statement that went something like this from a a spiritual leader 
that said, nothing can come to us, no evil, no harm, nothing can come into our lives except that it first be filtered through the hands of God's love. And uh, that's a deception, my friends. That is not the way the kingdom of God works. That's not the way the spiritual realm works. As if God, basically they're, they're saying that God authorized and permitted and wanted and desired. Anything that came into my life, it was really His love that let that in. No, it's not. If that were the case and God were the filter by which everything had to come through before it could come to us, then why are we told to not give place to the devil? Why are we told to resist the devil? You know, why, why are we given language like this that, that people are being taken captive to do his will? You know, Paul wrote to the Ephesians and said in chapter 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And, and wait, Let's sum it up. Against the devil. He said, that's what the, 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 the fight is over. That's where your, your opposition is. Not in the physical realm, it's in the spiritual realm. And this again is written to believers. So, we need to understand. I know some would say, well, uh, the devil can't do anything. It's not, about, uh, it's not about how we act or what we, how we live our lives. We just need to resist the devil. As stated in you know, James chapter 4, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Now that's, that's absolutely true that we need to resist the devil. But I want to draw your attention to this reality. It is not all about those words, devil, I resist you. In Jesus' name. There is most certainly a time and a place, and all of us should know those words. <laughs> you should exercise them. If you're a believer, you should know how to do that. But resisting the devil is not completely and totally defined by speaking to him and rebuking him in Jesus' name. There are other ways that we keep that door closed. It is still by the authorization that we have in Jesus' name, but we can do things uh, besides just rebuking him, and we need to know those principles. We need to recognize those areas whereby he is uh, attacking and getting into individuals' lives. Now, maybe you're familiar with this verse. It's Psalm 34, and verse 19, it reads, Many are the afflictions of the righteous... But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now, I've I've run into many individuals who are very familiar with the afflictions of the righteous. (laughs) They they quoted that half of the verse. I think they memorized that half of the verse. But they were not so familiar, familiar with, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And I think we ought to be far more familiar with the delivering power of God than we are the attacks against uh, the people of God. Huh? I mean, and if our life is a constant, repeated attack after attack after attack, and if it just seems like we're always just trying to keep one nostril above the water, we can barely make it, you know, that's not right. You know, it's not supposed to be that way. We know we shouldn't settle down and say, well, my life is hard from beginning to end, but many are the afflictions of the righteous. It's time to become acquainted with the deliverer. 
become acquainted with he delivers us out of them all and so our lives are a majority part there's not focused on the devil and his strategies and his tactics we are focused on the Lord and his blessing and his favor and his grace that overflows in our lives continually thank you Lord now uh, amen everybody okay all right uh, we can say, just say this again, uh, that the Lord is our deliverer, but Satan, for sure, the devil, is looking for access to our lives. Yeah, he's looking when, right now, he's trying to get in. When a person's life is in ruins, what happened? The devil got in. That's what happened. That's what happened. The devil got in and ruined their life. That wasn't God's plan, though. You know that's the case. Someone's life is ruined. That wasn't the Lord's plan. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to a knowledge of, uh, of the truth. Thank you, Lord. And so I want to I take a, a minute today, a few minutes, rest of the time, uh, and look at someone very interesting in the Scripture that... It gives us a behind-the-scenes look at how this stuff happens in the Spirit, okay? And this guy, yeah, he's been often misunderstood, and people have been confused about his book, all right? Uh, everybody ready? Find in your Bible, if you would, the book of Job. The book of Job, or you, may, you might call him Job. He spelled job. He's, his book is right before the palms. So job one or job chapter one. And let me give you a little summary. Obviously, we're not going to attack tackle this whole book by any means in the little bit of time we have here. But let me give you a quick summary of the whole book. And then we'll look at one little part and demonstrate this how it works. Job was a guy who was righteous, loved God. He was highly blessed of God. It was, he was very, very wealthy. He had a lot of influence. Uh, the devil hated his guts. His name even means hated. <laughs> but uh, his, his life was of positive influence on many people. Uh, and what happened is Satan attacked him. And took a lot of his stuff away. He even lost a lot of his health at one point. But there was a period of a few months in his life where he really suffered. Now, he lived a very long, long life. He had this little period in his life where, where he suffered. He had some friends that came to comfort him when he was, had these boils on his skin. And his friends started comforting him, but then ended up just accusing him and attacking him and, and condemning him, judging him. Uh, then Job ended up, you know, of course, fighting back against them. And then Job judged God. And, uh, and then finally God showed up on the scene and he set Job straight and told him how wrong he was. And then Job repented. And then Job prayed for his friends who were attacking him. And then God blessed him and gave him double. The end. All right, and, and, and a lot in between. But I want to look at a particular part in the first chapter of Job and begin reading here in verse 6 so we can see the behind the scenes what happened. 
Now therefore, now there was a, a day when the sons of God, angels probably, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also uh, came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Now what does that sound a lot like? Sounds a lot like like what James wrote. Of course, we have greater revelation in the New Covenant. He walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. What was Satan doing? That's what he was doing. Why was he roaming around the earth? He's looking for food. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, He's looking to devour. He's looking for access to people. So he's examining individuals' lives and looking for someone he can take out. Then the Lord said to Satan, verse 8, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Now you might wonder right away when you read that, Lord, why are you bringing up Job? (laughs) I mean, it almost sounds like like that in this particular translation, that Satan's just kind of looking around, looking for someone, and the Lord says, look at this guy. I want you to, tell, to want you to know, though, that's not how that went down. The Lord did not bring Job up. Satan had already identified Job, and you'll see that as we go. But what this, what this phrase here means, have you considered my servant Job? It means, have you set your heart on him? And you'll find that the Lord frequently asks questions that he already knows the answer to. And this is one of those situations. Did he know Satan was walking about through the earth? Yep. Did he know he had set his heart on Job? Yep. And so that's the, that's the origin of this discussion. I mean, no, the Lord's not dangling his kids out in front of the, front of the devil. Right. Devil, look, I got one here. He's a good one. He's righteous and holy. Sick him. That is not the way our father treats us. It's not the way he treated Job. And this was a while ago. Okay. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job... Fear God for nothing. Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now, what this does is it gives us an insight into how Satan attacks. How he comes against and tries to gain access to people's lives. He's walking about, he's searching out, and he comes accusing. He apparently comes before the Lord and makes accusation against God's people. And you can see that's exactly what he's doing here. He's accusing him. He's calling Job. He's not what you think he is. He's this. And he's accusing him before God. Well, uh, someone might say, well, that's Old Testament. And, uh, well, when you read the New Testament, you find out similar things still happen. In fact, over in the book of Revelation, chapter 12 and verse 10, it speaks of the devil and says, For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Satan is called 
the accuser of the brethren. As we progress over uh, uh, down, down the road in the future, I'm going to probably bring, come back to this and make sure we're not participating in that accusation. Sometimes people don't realize they're being used in the devil's plan when they're accusing others. But know this, this is the nature of Satan. He's accusing you. He's trying to build a case against you, against me, in order to get a judgment. Yeah. And he, this is what he was doing with Job. Uh, he, he was accusing him until he got access. He accused until the, the hedge came down. He said, I'd like to, to, to take him out. But Lord, talking to God, you put a hedge up around him. What is that, what is that hedge? Not like the hedge in your backyard. It's, it's some kind of protection. So, some kind of angelic protection. Something to where the enemy's attacks could not get through. They were stopped. And he's trying to get that hedge to come down. And he was successful in getting it to come down so he could attack him. This is what I want to make sure that I do not let happen in my life. I believe in the hedge. Meaning the Lord goes before me and he follows me. The Lord surrounds me, encompasses me about with his angels and his protection. I want to keep that guard up. And not, get the, not have the enemy come and take it down. Okay? Now one of the things we, sh- we need to consider is, is the time and the place lest we categorize ourselves with Job right away. Someone said, you know, going through a hardship, they said, I I must be like poor old Job. Well, first of all, Job wasn't poor. He was extremely wealthy beyond, I I think, anyone that you and I know. (laughs) And at the end of it, he was double wealthy. All right, so let's just correct the verbiage first. Not poor old Job. Secondly, there is not an apples-to-apples comparison with Job and anyone here. All right, And one of the big reasons for that was because of the time in which he lived. This was pre-covenant. It was for certain pre-cross. But this, this behind the scenes still happens like this. In this regard, Satan is still the accuser of the brethren. And the Lord is not willing that Job would perish. The Lord didn't want Job to suffer this hardship. He didn't want any of this stuff to happen, but the Lord also abides by legalities. I mean, that's the reason Jesus had to go to the cross. But because of this behind-the-scenes activity, what God has done in His great mercy and love for us is throughout history, He has set up covenants by where people can avoid the judgment, they can avoid the curse that some of their lifestyle and actions deserve. Say, well, Job wasn't a bad person. No, he wasn't. He was a righteous person, but he wasn't spiritually righteous. He wasn't born again. And they didn't have that. If you just read that book, you don't get the revelation. But you come over to the book of Ephesians, you find out that everyone is subject before Christ, before they get born again. They're subject to sin. They're subject to the prince of of the power of the air. And the enemy does have influence in people's lives. And that was true through the Old Testament where people were spiritually dead. But again, God in His mercy gave covenants. He told them to have sacrifices. He gave them promises. All these things so there would be something to protect them from the devourer. 
Because he never wanted people to, to suffer all the hardship. And yet the spiritual nature of human beings being spiritually dead required that the enemy have access. And so the Lord, again, in his mercy, gave these covenants. And, of course, we come to Jesus and thank you, Lord. But one of the, one of the statements that Job made concerning his own life, it's, uh, and, and let me just say this. If you read the whole book, you have to be very discerning because not everything said was God speaking. There's a whole lot of that book. It's the people arguing back and forth. And it's, a, it's an inspired record of what took place, but it's not all true. Because it's just people thinking what they thought. But one of the statements that Job made in verse chapter 9 and verse 33 is, is he said, Nor is there any mediator between us, between him and God, who may lay his hand on us both. So he's saying, I need mediation here. I need a go-between between me and God. He didn't have that. I do. You do. It is the Lord Jesus who came and went before us and bore our sin and bore our shame and went to the cross and suffered and died. He went in between. So now we've got an advantage that Job never had. He didn't have the name of Jesus. He didn't have the word of God. He didn't have covenant. He didn't have promises. So if you ever find yourself saying, well, I'm just like Job's situation, not the case. Okay, you can't, you can't be. However, there are similarities in this regard. Satan is still the accuser. He's still trying to get after you just like he did Job. Still wants to clean you out just like he did Job. We have got to have knowledge of open doors. We've got to have knowledge of the covenant and our covenant rights and what we can do to resist the devil and keep him out of our business. All right. So, does the hedge ever come down around Christians? That's a good question. I mean, if the devil attacks, if the devil is able to get involved in someone's life, that would seem to me to be the same thing as saying the hedge was down. The protection, how did he get that to happen? Accusation. Now, so why would the devil accuse us? Well, why would the prosecuting attorney uh, bring evidence and, and, and statements against a potential criminal? Someone who's been, you know, indicted. Why, why, would, why would he make a case against them? He's seeking a judgment against them to punish them for what he accuses them of doing. Yeah. And, and in, in the same way, when it comes to spiritual things, we have an accuser coming after us. We also have a really good lawyer. You know who your lawyer is? He's Jesus. All right? He's our advocate or our lawyer, our advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And what's he doing? Well, he's got, a, he's got another, he's got a pretty good case for us. And what's that? Well, uh, they've sinned, but I bore their sin. <laughs> he's got exhibit A, which is his blood. You know, the nail-scarred hands. He's got stripes on his back. And all that speaks to this. Satan comes after, but instead of saying, you know, I'm guilty, I did it. We say, no blood. So, you're guilty. Man, you did it. Well, how do you plea? Blood. 
I plead blood. In other words, innocent, but not by my own doings. Innocent because his blood covered me. His blood washed my sin away. So therefore, I still stand before God and still stand before the judge with great confidence. I'm good. But what if I don't know that? What if the devil hits me and hits me and accuses me before God and accuses me? And I, man, you're right, I did that. Man, I'm so unworthy. I'm guilty. You're just letting the hedge down, dude. You're letting him in. Everybody okay? The way this works, it's always been consistent uh, since the fall of man. But the Lord, again, like I said, in his great mercy has given us ways to avoid all of this stuff to give us total victory from the devil. We've got to know how it works. We've got to know what to do. And the hedge does sometimes come down around Christians. I believe that's so. And we need to know how to keep it up. How do I keep it up? Not by declaring my own righteousness, but declaring my standing in Christ. Hmm. You know, one time uh, I was talking to a guy who uh, was having marriage problems. And he told me his wife had left him and they were in the process of divorce and so forth. And uh, as we began to speak, he, he told me that, you know, whenever I can talk to her, I, you know, he said, I tell her, I've been faithful to you and I've, I'm always, I've always been there for you and I did this right and I did this and I never cheated on you and I did, and he's naming all these things that he did right. And as I'm listening to that, I, I stopped, I said, listen, now consider this. She didn't leave you because of what you did right. And that's all you want to talk about is what you did right. So I encourage you to stop talking about that. She already knows that part. The other part, that's the problem. That's the issue. Not what you, not what you did right. When it comes to our, our, our standing with God and our being able to resist the devil, it's not about us touting how many good things we have done. That's the wrong basis. And if we get it over in our performance, we're going to lose. Because not only maybe we have done some things right, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if we're going to tout our performance, the hedge goes down. Someone says to the Lord, I just don't understand why all this is happening. I don't know why. I mean, I am a good person. I don't know why, why, this, is, why this is happening. I mean, I'm faithful to church. And I pray. And I give. And I'm on the dream team, Lord. <laughs> now listen, those are all good things. Is that the basis of our standing with God? Is that the reason the protection around us is maintained? No. Because if we're going to tout all the things that we have done, then we're also going to have to tout the things we've missed it in. And I'm not implying by this when I did the little the courtroom thing there that we're denying things we've done wrong. We're just telling our attorney. Our advocate with the Father, Jesus the righteous, because he says, yeah, but blood. My blood was shed for them. Yeah. But I don't want to approach the Lord and say, I need healing in my body. Don't tell the Lord how good a Christian you are. I need healing in my body. Don't tell the Lord how you're better than so-and-so. 
Because that is simply not the basis by which we are saved, by which we are blessed, by which we are healed, by which the Lord meets our needs. That's not the basis. We're going to be accused, 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 accused all of our lives. What's our answer? Jesus. That's the answer. Amen. I mean, how many know jokes are often told in little uh, cartoons and stuff about people standing before the pearly gates? You know, and Peter says, why should I let you in? I don't think it happens like that, but that's what it's told. How many know if that were to be the way that it went down? Uh, any answer except for Jesus and you're in, ter- you're in trouble? Well, uh, you know, I read my Bible. Huh. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Hatch door. <laughs> I'm a good person. I did this, this, and this. The only thing I have to say is mercy, grace. Why should I let you in? Because Jesus loved me and shed his blood for me. He paid the price. And, and I received it, made him my Lord. You know, short answer Jesus. And that's our answer. What about when the devil wants to attack? Jesus. Am I saying there are no other practical applications? There are. And I'm going to show you some of these, some of these areas by which he gets in. But I'm telling you, at the end of this, I'm not saved and protected and kept from harm just because I did everything right. Because I didn't do everything right. I need to know where my authority lies. And where my help comes from. Turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Let's finish up over here today. And we've got some good stuff coming up. Luke chapter 22. Have you ever wondered why some individuals they seem to get away with stuff? It's like, man, they do stupid things and their life doesn't fall apart. And someone else... They do stupid things, and they pay the price for it. I tell you one big difference in the two, and, and honestly, we try to, we're trying to judge from a lack of knowledge when we're doing this, by the way. We're not qualified to know everything going on there. But I will tell you this, there is something called mercy. And when someone gets mercy, their life is sustained. They don't get what's coming to them. I want an abundance of mercy in my life. I don't want to get everything that's coming to me. I don't want to talk about what I deserve. I want to talk about mercy. And there are individuals, sometimes it's because of another person around them. There's different reasons why it happens. But some person, they're getting, one person's getting judgment, another person's person's getting mercy. Why? That's the question. But what we need is mercy. And then grace gives us what we don't deserve. Okay, Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. Grace is what you get when you get what you don't deserve. Understand the difference? Okay. Luke 22 verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. You always have to watch out when the Lord calls your name twice. (laughs) Simon, Simon. That, by the way, Simon is Peter. Peter wrote 1 Peter 5, 8. All right, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you. Well, that's interesting. He's still doing it. What happened with Job happening to Peter? 
Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. The accuser of the brethren is coming after Peter. He's trying to mess his life up and take him out. And Jesus had revelation of it. That's an interesting word of knowledge there. Jesus is going along, obviously he knows, Satan asked for you, Peter. But I have prayed for you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. What's very interesting to me about this, there's a lot we could say, but it appears that Satan would have been granted access to sift if it weren't for Jesus' prayer. He said, he wants you, he wants to sift you as we, he wants to devour you, but I prayed for you. That didn't mean that he wouldn't be tempted. You know, you know the story. He was tempted and failed that temptation, but then bounced back. And that's what Jesus was saying here. He, he bounced, but he wasn't, Satan was not able to get in and tear his life up. He was not able to get in there and permanently harm him and remove him. And the answer seems to be right here. Jesus said, I prayed for you. And that's why he's not getting in. Wow, so Satan would have been given access to Peter except for someone who prayed. It makes, makes me wonder about my prayer life. And even when I, when I know people and I have friends or different ones that they're being hit. Satan's going after them. You know, my prayer for them could get them mercy. Amen. Could get them special favor from God. So where the enemy is kept out or at least kept at bay till they can stand up themselves and resist the devil? I'm telling you, it really does make a difference. And sometimes you can see this, why some people fall and some people do not fall. Sometimes it's, they've made some good decisions in surrounding themselves with people who pray. <laughs> huh? Sometimes it's others in their life who are helping to keep that protection up long enough to where they will make some right decisions and not be consumed by the enemy. Amen. Now that we know how this works, we're going to go forward and we're going to take some more specific looks at the trap, at the trap the enemy lays and how he gains access. What if all Christians were armed with this revelation? Maybe people would stop blaming God. Maybe they'd stop that victim thing. Well, just can't tell, just never know. We're out of control. Maybe they would stop giving place to the devil. And I tell you, we're going to have a lot of that going on around here. No more place. No more access. No more opportunity. Not giving him a way to win. Not giving him a way to have access to my life. Amen. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for what you're doing. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com. And follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you, and have a blessed day.